Hashtag PodRevDay. That's P-O-D-R-E-V-D-A-Y. Hi, this is Flavia Marfella. I host Small Talks at Midnight. Hi, my name's Ali Pitts, and I host the Roost Files Unite movie podcast. Hey, this is Garrett Godfrey with the Good Patron podcast. Hashtag PodRevDay. Our challenge to you right now is to think about your favorite podcast, why you love them, and what you want to say in your review or reviews. Then, write them, share them, and follow the rest. Podcast Review Day. Celebrated on the eighth day of every month. We get to thank the podcasters that make the shows we love by posting reviews. We get to spread the word by sharing those reviews on social media. We get to discover new shows by following... Hashtag on social media and seeing the reviews that other folks are sharing. Hashtag PodRevDay. That's P-O-D-R-E-V-D-A-Y. Because podcasters deserve to hear it. Ali and this is the Rus Files Unite podcast where we watch Russian films and films with a Russian connection. As always I am joined by a guest and today once again I am joined by Lynn Seren. Hi Lynn. Hello. Thank you for coming on the show again. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm sad that I can't be there in person but here I am like everyone else moaning about it uh, in quarantine. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. Long-time listeners may have picked this up from the the comments we have made and a slight difference in the sound quality. But yeah, normally, normally when Lynn's on the show, we record this thing in person. Um, a- anyway, so for listeners who haven't heard an episode that you're on before, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, Lynn? I could try. <laughs> you could. <laughs> I've completely lost. I've run out of interesting things about myself. Your standard response is, I'm Lynn and I don't know anything about Russian films. That's true. I don't know much about <laughs> Russian films. I've seen a few now with you, though, which is good. Yeah. Yep, that's about it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to guess that this is going to be better than Anna. That's my comment and callback to previous episodes. <laughs> yeah, that is that is quite, quite a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to feel reasonably certain about something. Yes, yes, in these uncertain times. I mean, I'm actually not planning on releasing this for a little while, so hopefully by the time this thing comes out, the uh, whole uh, social isolation and just being at home the whole time will just be a very unpleasant memory. But That would be nice. Who knows? Let's try and be optimistic, shall we? <laughs> um. So anyway, yes... Anna, uh, was the last time you were actually on, I think. It was, yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess it did make a bit of a, a bit of a change in terms of what I normally have you on. It's normally normally like Tarkovsky or someone similarly like highly regarded, but we decided to slum it for that one. We did. We slummed it for the full cinematic experience of, you know, paying to see a disappointing film. Really, really big. <laughs> Re- really big. It was bigger. It was much bigger. Than yes. our televisions. Yes. Oh, tell you what. Parking back to previous Lin Linisode, um, I would love to have seen Letter Never Sent on the big screen. Oh yeah, that would have been great. 
because I know we were slightly like huh, ho hum about the story, but mm. the visuals on that thing were just it was it was absolutely gorgeous to to look at. So I would yeah would love to see that on the big screen. But anyway, the film we're watching today is called Malchik Ruski, which literally would translate as Russian boy, or literally, literally, boy Russian, because they can do that thing where you switch the adjective and the noun around, but you won't find it listed anywhere as that, as the English title is Russian Youth. So this was one that I happened to find on Mubi and thought, huh, I will... I will catch that. So uh, it's worth mentioning that this is a film by Alexander Zolotuchin, and he's uh, he's quite a young director. He's younger than both of us, which is depressing. Yeah, trying to think about that. <laughs> yeah, never mind. The grim march of time and etc. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I think he was born in Ukraine, but studied film in the North Caucasus, and I think he was mentored by veteran Russian director Alexander Sokorov, who we've covered a couple of his films, uh, which is promising, although um, Alexander Sokorov's films aren't always the easiest watch based on the couple that I've seen. Which are those? So that would be The Sun, which was like a Hirohito-like biopic. Mm-hmm. And then Russian Ark. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure I've heard of that one. I think I've heard of The Sun. I've not seen either. Oh, so Russian Ark is the one where they go through the Hermitage Museum and it's all one take. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's kind of going through history um, more or less in a linear way, but it does jump around a bit. Mm. Um so so yeah, that's that's the film. It's quite short. It's like just over seventy minutes, which is always always nice. <laughs> so as a veteran of this podcast, Lynn, you'll remember, of course, what we say every time when we're launching into the film. Yes, Payekali. Yes, which means here we go, and we're off. Let's go. That's it. Okay, so three, two, one. Payekali. And we're back. Lynn and I have just watched Malchik Ruski, a Russian youth. And before we tell you what we thought of the film, we're just going to have a quick plot summary from Lynn. So if you haven't searched it out and watched it yet and you're worried about spoilers, this is the time to pause the podcast, find the film, watch it, and then continue with the rest of the episode. So spoiler warning out the way and over to you, Lynn. I feel like there's only going to be one major spoiler (laughs) and that happens right at the start. Yeah. I mean, just based on the trailer, which is that there's an orchestra for some reason. There is. I feel like that's the big thing. Is it the big thing? I don't know. I would say there's another really, really big thing, but that was also in some of the summaries that I read. I managed to somehow... okay. I only saw the summary on movie, which was not that much of a spoiler. I guess it wasn't. fairly vague. But I still managed to not read it and just like... Just go wham, hit play. I just did a like a physical, like I'm whamming a play button on an old video cassette, analog, <laughs> analog technology. So I, I managed to not even read that. I, I basically, I'd seen the trailer of this film and that bit had somehow kind of passed me by. And the movie summary of the film did spell out this thing. But again, I hadn't seen it. So I was kind of like, oh, right. That is quite a turn up for the books. But anyway, what is this big thing that we're alluding to, Lynn? I'm taking right, over your so summary. It starts with an orchestra and then fades into grainy World War One footage. 
of trench warfare. And then there's gas attack. And then our protagonist? Yep. Is he the protagonist? I guess I can't think of someone else that definitely is the protagonist. So let's say that he is. I mean, unless you want to say that there's an abstract protagonist and that is war or music or... Or youth. Or youth. Or something. Yes. The, uh, uh, the platonic ideal of youth. It's the platonic ideal of youth. Yes. <laughs> um, the protagonist. I guess. Yeah, so, Specifically uh, Russian youth, but that's already getting yes. into the specifics, so maybe it's not platonic and ideal anymore. <laughs> well, we Who were about knows? 30 seconds into the film, <laughs> uh, two minutes into the film. There's Gastak, uh, our protagonist, whose name is Alexei, but I don't think we find out for quite a long time. I might be wrong about that, and I just wasn't paying attention. Uh, I think that is mentioned earlier on, but never mind. Uh, so anyway, he kind of passes out and then wakes up in hospital and it turns out he's gone blind because of the gas. And then he really wants to go back in the army and not get sent back home to his village. So a medic persuades his commanding officer that he should be allowed to stay in the army. So he stays in the army and becomes an air raid warning person. How does that work in World War One, though? <laughs> so it's pre-radar mm-hmm. uh, so it's quite just... pre-radar <laughs> very pre-radar so it's like a big horn it's directional so you can hear the planes coming that's the idea anyway so you sit in a chair with like headphones basically heads tunnels like like basically like rubberized yeah. tubes it looks like rubberized some... tubes if you've been in an mri machine it's just like the headphones they give you in an mri machine uh, kind of, but connected <laughs> to giant cones instead of a radio. Big metal cones. So he doesn't need to be able to see to do this because he can just move it around. Right. And then if he hears planes coming, he just like whams this big bit of metal to let everyone know that there's planes coming. It turns out that there are planes coming and then he gets to go to a village with his mate Nevsky or something. Is that his name? I didn't write it down. It's not quite Nevsky, but it is It is an N name. <laughs> something like that. Anyway, so they go there, and then his mate starts flirting with some girls and gets pushed out by some officers. And then he, Alexei, is wandering along, and then the priest is like, you're blind, mate. Come and live in the church. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> um... <laughs> also, I don't know if you spotted this, but the 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 priest so it was a catholic priest yeah uh, oh no i didn't spot that i just ah, assumed that everyone was an orthodox priest ah well this is the uh, i'm pretty sure is that priestist <laughs> yes lynn is a priestist <laughs> you've been outed <laughs> no i i think what it was was the rosary beads and i don't think oh, okay. there's an orthodox equivalent of that so I could be wrong. <laughs> Orthodox listeners, write in. Correct me. Is this something that that you have too? But so that was the that was the other thing. And the other thing was that I am probably about eighty something percent sure that the the priest and the altar boy were speaking Polish. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't really clock that. I mean, I could barely hear anybody's dialogue anyway. Mm, it is quite. Like, I don't know what's the mixing because. It's like the explosions were incredibly mm. loud. Oh, yeah. Um, and yet, like, you could barely hear what anybody was saying. Mm. I mean, we kept at the whole volume during the film, so I don't know whether we could... I think that's because quite early on there was explosions, but like, whoa, this is loud. <laughs> and then just kind of turned it down for the explosions, then you can hear, you hear people talking a bit. So anyway, then they go back. Then what happens? Oh, then there's another air raid, and Alexi goes deaf, because there's, like, a bomb goes off right in front of the cones. Yeah, and it basically the air to- raid cones. basically totals them, yeah. Yeah, so he survives, but he's deaf. And then the Germans show up and take everyone prisoner, and then he ends up back in the church, and this gets captured by this German guy, and then there's about five minutes of film left, and I cannot remember what happens. What happens at the end? Does it just pretty much end? It pretty much ends. Like, they're captured, and that's sort of it. And I think we have a, a few more cuts back to the orchestra. Yeah, and it tells you what the pieces they were playing were. So, this orchestra thing keeps fading in and out during the film. So, they keep cutting occasionally to different members of the orchestra, in particular the conductor and the pianist. And they, they cut to other ones. As well, but those are the two that they seem to come back to. Yeah, um, and and we should say this orchestra is basically it's 
modern day. Yeah, it's modern day. I'm yeah, 2018 or whatever this was filmed. Yeah, and it's a. It seems to be a youth orchestra. Most of the people mm-hmm. seem to be, I would guess, late teens. Yes, there's a possibility somewhere in their early twenties, but just from the looks of them, that seems to be like they're fairly young. Yeah, and was it me? This just might be because my hearing's a bit dodgy, but. Sometimes it seemed like the thing, the music that was playing in the film was not necessarily the music that the orchestra was playing. Or the orchestra was, that was playing music that didn't quite match the film. Or they kept flashing back to the orchestra and they were like practicing a piece that wasn't really a piece that matched the scene. Because at the start I thought like, oh, it's like this is a video of this orchestra that has been hired or whatever to play the music for the film. Yeah. But it wasn't clear to me as to whether that was the case or whether they were just an orchestra that was rehearsing, well, two Rachmaninoff pieces, as it turns out, Mm. at the end. I don't know. Yeah, I'd spent a lot of time trying to figure out, is there any obvious connection between... It's not even the two halves of the film, because I would say almost like 90 to 95% of the visuals are World War One. But yeah, I I very much got that the same sense as you did of of sometimes the music is quite apropos to what's going on in, on yeah. screen, and then other times it's kind of like almost like they're just warming up or they're playing something that's kind of not that relevant. Yeah, or they'd, they'd flash to the pianist and then you'd see him play notes and I was like, I can't hear a piano. Mm. And it's not like have an amazing ear for orchestral music. I don't. So uh, so it could be that they were playing really faintly in the background. And if you know about orchestral music, you could tell that. But I was like, I really can't hear a piano. And then maybe it will fade in gradually. Yeah, I I really don't know how I feel about the... I, I mean, I, I feel like it's judgmental to call it a gimmick. But it clearly sets the film apart from, you know... It, it puts this into the category of this is an experimental film rather than this is a conventional film. Because it's... Even some of the the juxtaposition with when you do cut back to seeing mm. the modern-day orchestra, like, sometimes it will seem like something quite upsetting will happen and then you'll cut back to a member of the youth orchestra just looking quite sort of perplexed and it's almost you it's like your brain is is trained by the language of film having just from watching a lot of films over the years to kind of think like ah oh, are they kind of are they imagining are they remembering you you're kind of like your brain reads a connection between the image because it's one after another at least mine did like there was one particular moment where this was really strong um I forget what it was that you saw in World War One, but it was something quite upsetting, and then it cut back to a young woman looking quite pensive, and it was kind of like it's almost like 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 she's having like a a flashback from another life mm. almost. It was it was quite it was quite bizarre. On a similar note, I wondered whether like are they meant to be doing the music for the film? Mm. Like, imagine them. Sometimes they look up, and I'm like, are they look at the conductor. Are they actually watching the film? Mm, yeah yeah like in the background are they meant to be doing this like accompanying but then the other thing that they do that i hadn't talked about quite yet is that sometimes the conductor's voice from the orchestra like fades into the film yeah yeah yeah. during the world war one scenes Mm -hmm. um so he'll be like oh play that bar again or something so you get it you kind of get it both ways You, you get sort of cuts back to the orchestra and you also get the sounds of not just of the instruments but of the conductor yeah what's going um, on like in, coming in that into room. the world one yeah yes and there's scenes. a lot more of that than there are of actually cutting back and seeing mm. visuals from from the orchestra time yeah it's quite odd and like my knee-jerk reaction is just to kind of like write it off as like pretentious twaddle <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time i don't know how i feel about it I mean, it's certainly going to make the yeah. film stick in my head. I'm not sure I know how I feel about it either. A bold choice. A, A bold, bold choice. choice. <laughs> because, and then I feel like I'm maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Because then I'm just sorry. Like you say, you go looking for connections in your brain, and you're like, oh well, maybe it's a metaphor. And then the immediate metaphor is like, well. It's it's hard being in an orchestra, but it's not as hard as being in a <laughs> in war. A war. <laughs> and you're like, well, 
That seems accurate. Um, <laughs> but also a tad like facile or facile or yeah. however you pronounce yeah, exactly. that. <laughs> it seems just a little straightforward. Yeah. I mean, maybe that is what the director was going for. I don't know, but um, I mean, I feel like it's not a coincidence that it's a youth orchestra. No, that seems connected, intentional, whatever. Yeah, yeah, because you could have just had. I don't. I don't want to say for like full-grown adults, but like you know, seasoned professional musicians. Yeah, and I don't think it would. It would be even more like okay. I totally don't see the point. Whereas at mm. least with the youth thing, you're kind of like okay. There's some kind of connection, although they're older. I mean, how how old would you even say Alexei was? Sixteen. I don't know. Maybe a little bit older. I really struggled with it because I don't know what you felt like his behavior read as really quite young almost like younger than than 16 but like looks wise yeah maybe 16 17. yeah i don't know how the actor where the actor is um or was or whatever but yeah no clue but he just he did read quite young and i don't know have you seen ivan's childhood uh Tarkovsky film. Um, no, I don't think I have. Yeah, yeah, sorry, that's right. You watch Tarkovsky films when I invite. <laughs> yeah, I only, I I only watch Tarkovsky on to... films with you. <laughs> yes, and and that was the that was the one where I uh, I got someone else to talk about that one. So hi, Spencer. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, Lynn. Um, that was okay. I'm I'm only slightly offended. <laughs> we'll have to do like an alternate take one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just I'll just say exactly what Spencer said. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's an experimental podcast. Lynn just yeah, exactly. spends weeks memorizing the whole of the whole of Spencer's side of the conversation, and is just going to repeat those lines regardless of what I say. Uh, so we'd be pushing new podcast boundaries, but but yeah. So the thing with Ivan's childhood is that it's probably like a twelve or thirteen year old kid is the protagonist right. in that and it's it's world war Two as opposed to world war one but he reads as really quite mature and he seems to be really annoyed that people aren't taking him seriously because mm. he's he's actually quite competent whereas alexei in this he's annoyed because people aren't taking him seriously but also he doesn't he is such a kid at least that's how i felt about him i don't know how you felt yeah Definitely. I mean, obviously, like, what happens to him is absolutely terrible. But at the beginning of the film, he just kind of annoys the heck out of everyone. Yeah, he's obviously very, like, naive. And it's like, oh, it's your first day of the job. Like, welcome to this trench. Yeah. Uh, Have a gun. Yeah. Um... Well, (laughs) because we we get a bit of them, like, moving up to the trench. And he's, like, admiring somebody's medals. And hmm. like apparently, in all seriousness, saying like, "How many Germans do you have to kill to get one of those?" and and the guy's like, oh, "Leave it." Um, <laughs> and then like a rocket comes over, and he like dives for cover, and everyone else is kind of like, "Kid," which is really kind of mean. But on the other yeah, hand, it's a little bit mean. But yeah, like that's probably what I would do if a rocket came over. Frankly, oh, that's and fair. you know, I'm. <laughs> in my mid-30s but yeah he it, it's it just means that his kind of attempt to like be laddish and fit in is <laughs> scuppered like from the start but yeah it's kind of interesting how how people relate to him because like the guy like the other guys in the ranks who are like in their 20s probably are kind of like uh, annoying kid whereas i think the older officers are a bit more a bit more understanding at least that's the impression i got it feels that way apart from that one guy that like beats him oh yeah that's that's a good point yeah uh so how does that come about so he's blind but not yet deaf at this point and oh this ties into the bit a little bit about the russian revolution which i'm gonna guess this is set like six months or so before that's the feeling i got from it but i don't know enough about the history so they're going for food. All the soldiers mm. are going for food. And um, there's a big queue and there's not that much food to go around. But the officers have already been fed. And so the soldiers kind of get 
Alexi fed because they're like he's blind give him some food he can jump the queue so he gets food and then the soldiers kind of push him towards a table to sit down but it turns out it's the officer's table but he doesn't know this because he's blind so he sits down at the table and most of the officers are kind of tolerant of this and can see he's blind and he's not trying to like take the piss or whatever the military term is yeah um, insubordination <laughs> yeah insubordination whatever and um Sorry. so the officer but then the officer next to him is like this is the officer's table and the other officer's like ah, it's all right but then this guy who appears to be like there kind of immediately this so i guess he's lieutenant or whatever mm. weirdly i don't know the ranks of the imperial russian army so apologies imperial russian army historians that might be listening so then he and ins- this lieutenant or whatever insists on beating him for spilling his food over him and for sitting on the office table. Like, caning his hands. Yeah, like, canes his hands, yeah. Goodness knows how many times. Like, it's quite uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, it's good. it goes on for, like, longer than you think it will. Yeah, it's it's really, really horrible. So, my theory about the setting is actually kind of the opposite. I think that it's right at the beginning of World War One just because of the Polish setting. Because at that, at that point... Poland was part of the Russian Empire, so essentially it's like it's it's quote unquote Russian territory because they're the imperial force, but mm. the Germans are like moving into it. Whereas I think later on in the war that the Russian army had been pushed back because it was just not a good war for them. So I I don't know because I think the Eastern Front, unlike the Western Front in World War One, kind of moved a lot more because it's. There's just so much more space out yeah. there to move, but it's it was it was still very kind of futile, but it was just not quite as stagnant. So I thought of it as being like right at the beginning, but I could be totally wrong. Yeah, I don't know. The only thing that I accidentally considered mm. because I was confused at the risk of becoming an IMDb pedant, <laughs> I was like, those German helmets are like World War Two helmets. I'm confused by this. So yeah. looked it up on Wikipedia. Wikipedia might be lying to me. They were introduced in 1916. Mm, yes, this is a German good Army. point because they do look. They do look. Because I was like, very... you know, because I've learned history from TV shows. Sorry, my school history teachers. <laughs> uh, I was like, isn't everyone in Germany in those spiky hats? Oh, the pickle halberd. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. In the first half, I'm like, why are the Germans not wearing spiky hats? Yeah, yeah, they're they're wearing um, the Stahlhelm, which was like the the Wehrmacht. Um, yeah, and then I was like, is this actually World War Two? And I have got very very <laughs> confused. <laughs> no, you have you have not. Um, but yes, that that was the one thing that gave me like pause and made me think, okay, maybe this isn't 1914. Funnily enough, I I I just assumed like it was. August 1914, like right at the beginning mm. of the war. But it, to be honest, it could have been almost any summer of the war in a way. But I think, I guess I just sort of like read a lot into it being in Poland. Um, yeah, that so, makes sense. Uh, world War One buffs. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those films where it doesn't really, they weren't really going for like complete historical no. precision. And I... I could be wrong because I've just watched it the once, but I don't think they didn't do any kind of like title card or like a date flashes up. It, like there's no, no I don't like think so. August 1914 flash flash. No, I think perhaps it's intentionally like vague about it. Yeah, definitely. And I think he used like the word World War One footage earlier because mm. I mean clearly it isn't, but. It's very much meant to evoke that, I think. Oh, yeah. But there, there were like moments, especially early on, when it feels a bit, yeah, almost as if it could be one of those sort of colorized, like the war in color ITV documentaries. Yeah. Or, or even like if you spend too much time on Twitter, like I do, th- there's a lot of that happening, like that people are just going and colorizing things. Which you know is is really interesting. It makes it feel a bit more real. I I find a lot in a lot. I see of cases. what you mean. Yeah, a bit more contemporary. Mm. I guess. Yeah. Plus, people have a lot of their time in their hands. At the <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah. Um, as somebody who's into photography, I, I wondered whether you could talk a bit more about like the 
the the visual choices that they made. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I don't know much about like film stocks. Mm. It was it was very grainy, especially the old footage. Understandably, um, I don't know enough really to tell you by sight whether that was like digital and then messed with mm, my instinct... um, or whether it was actually filmed on film yeah. and if so what kind of grade it felt it felt like not 35 mil mm. fanciness it felt like maybe it was shot on 16 or something okay. um like a little bit lower kind of resolution mm. but um but then the modern bits felt quite Suddenly you lost a lot of the narrow focus, you lost a lot of the vignetting mm. um, in the kind of modern orchestral shots. You still got the outer corners. So it was shot... I don't actually know what ratio it was. Yeah, talk about talk about those, because it was very much like rounded outer corners, like you will see mm. on very like old Like it was films. narrower than 16.9, mm. but it was wider than... What was old film? Was it 4.3? Yeah, I want to say 4-3. Like... Felt a bit more like 5-3. Okay. Like a bit wider than you think of kind of classic Hollywood film. Now, I don't mm. know whether that was like a Soviet thing. I'm trying to remember a lot of the older the the older kind of Russian films you've watched and whether they were a similar ratio. Um, yes. I th- my understanding is that generally speaking, like wide, I don't know that widescreen ever really happened in the soviet union i could Mm. be wrong but i'm i'm pretty sure that nearly everything was four three or a similar ratio i'm uh like more scholarly people please write in and correct me but it's (laughs) it's definitely it's definitely nothing near like 16.9 ratio so or even like it seemed wider than three two. Mm. Um, five three would be wider than three two, wouldn't it? I'm getting confused. I'm thinking three two because it's quite a common. Well, thirty five mil film is mm, okay. like photography or film is three two. Obviously, with film, movie film is narrower because you have the edge, you have the sound on the edge. Yes, the just the the corners kind of sets it as very like retroy, just straight off. It does, and then you're thinking like, oh, is this is this an artifact of the actual camera? In which case, are they using the same cameras? Are they using the same cameras for the modern orchestral setting? So you get exactly the same kind of border, but they're using different film stock? Or is it all being shot digitally and then all that's added afterwards? Yeah. There was quite a lot of variation in the grain in the past as well. Like in most of the scenes, it was fairly consistent, but then when there was explosions or gas and a lot of dust, mm. like the grain, the grain got worse. There was kind of dirt. On the, f- I'm 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 doing air quotes of film because I don't know what it was from, <laughs> um, and like like light leaks into the edge of the frame. Mm. But yeah, no, I would have been really like interested to hear how they shot it. Yeah, my instinct was that it probably was digital just for budgetary reasons. Probably, yeah. Uh, I mean, especially as this was this guy's first film, I I feel like. It might have been quite difficult to get people to pay you money to spend a lot of time like fiddling around with expensive like vintage film stocks. Maybe yeah, that would make sense. I guess totally you could put, speculating. You could put older lenses on it and get mm. a, a lot of the visual. Ex- I mean, you obviously wouldn't give you the grain, but a lot of like the focus. Uh, okay, that kind of like vignetting and and sort of cloudier narrower focus yeah but i don't know who knows it may well have all just been digital and the the original is totally clean and lovely <laughs> yeah but it's very it's very striking because it's it's almost like the graininess and the color palette is is much more like it's not quite sepia but it's kind of like no it's very the, desaturated yeah and quite sort of pastel hmm. uh, colors compared to the orchestra scenes, which is much sharper, and and because it's an orchestra, you've got lots of like blacks and whites and dark colours. <laughs> yeah, it felt very much like a contemporary sort of, I don't know, like documentary. Like it could have been an orchestra documentary on BBC Four or something. Yeah, yeah, like that kind of fairly. I don't know. This is what professional musicians wear, and it just looks. Yeah, quite... this is what professional cinematographers are like. You know, smart. <laughs> It's just all, it's all fine. It's like decent and 
You know, it's yeah. not that exciting, like, visually, but... Mm. But that's the point. It's, you're not drawing attention to yourself. You're No, apart from they kept the corners. Yes. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting bit of continuity, I guess. Because I actually went back and, and checked because I couldn't remember whether they did that. But yeah, it's just an odd film because of those choices. I mean, and the fact it was this this director's first film, it's, you know, clearly very confident to make a film this way and convince somebody this is how I'm gonna do it. Um I'm trying to think what else I wanna I wanna talk about. What did it mean, Ali? What did what it mean? What did it mean? War as hell. Yeah, and so's Rachmaninoff. <laughs> What's that film where they have to play Rachmaninoff? Shine. Oh, okay. Is that what it's called? I have not seen that. I, I thought you were referencing The Seven Year Itch, where in... I haven't seen that. Oh, okay. Well, in the protagonist's like fantasy sequence, he can play Rachmaninoff and... Marilyn Monroe is incredibly turned on by this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know whether you're able to hear the laughter on the podcast. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's quite apropos that we've just got this sound and who knows where it's coming from. Exactly, who knows where it's coming from? Who knows what's going on? Is someone having a party? Are there some quarantine-breaking parties going on in this block? Who knows? Um... (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. um, I was going to say, it's funny because there's not that much of it that's actually combat for a war movie, you know? It's not an action film. No, it's not an action film. And it kind of feels like it might become one quite early on. Mm. Like there's the gas attack and then the Germans start like crossing no man's land. And you think, oh, is there going to be a firefight? And then... You know, is this guy going to get killed or people get captured or... Because it does look quite a desperate situation from the gas attack because it's just oh, yeah, definitely. Like, taken out almost the whole unit and those who haven't been taken out by the gas have been blown up by shells. We should say, it's not it's not a graphic movie, really. No, not that there aren't any parts that are distressing. No. Whatever, but it's, no, really no. Not, it's really not a graphic or a gory movie. Um, I have no idea what the rating is, actually. But... That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, because it's... I'm not sure... I'm not sure if you see any blood, actually. I might be wrong, but... No, you see the you see gas, you see the injuries to his eyes. Yes. But other than that... But it's bandaged up. It's bandaged, yeah, for most of it. And then even in the little hospital tent, mm. do you see other people's injuries, really? That's a good point. You do see lots of people, like, lying on stretchers, but they never, like, zoom in on somebody's amputated leg or anything no, like that. No, Which don't. you could have if you wanted to make that kind of a movie, but... Because, I mean, obviously, seeing, like, actual gory wounds is psychologically traumatic as well, <laughs> clearly. But it's kind of like, it's... The upsettingness is is mostly sort of by implication rather than stuff that you, the viewer, sees. Yeah, I agree. Um, and even when there's fighting near the end, when the Germans are shooting, and like someone gets hit, you don't really see it. Yeah, he just kind of crumples into a into a pile. And you hear a lot of yeah, same thing with the air raid. You you see shells and you see explosions, but you don't see people getting hit. Yes, this is this is this is not Saving Private Ryan <laughs> or Hacksaw. I'm trying Ridge. to find the BBFC rating for Russian youth. I regret Googling this. Uh, the BBFC has no results. The close result is young Russian sluts. <laughs> um, oh, no. <laughs> uh, so that's ruined my Google search history. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's going to lead to some odd, odd predictions coming up. <laughs> I would guess the rating for this would be probably be a 12 but on the other I hand would be sub- yeah i wouldn't show me if it was a pg like you could show it in a school i reckon in the secondary school you could show it and i don't think anyone would cook up a fuss you would get some tittering at certain points though oh yeah there's dongs we've forgotten about the dongs how could you forget the full frontal male nudity lynn <laughs> oh yeah good point it's probably an 18 isn't it because it has full frontal nudity in it something oh it's might be a 15 but there's probably i think there's some kind of cut off where like if it has 
full nudity in it than it. Yeah, I think a lot of it would probably come down to context, and because, like... It's definitely not sexual. <laughs> I mean, yeah, say that, but... <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> the, the, chap, the chap on the horse... Uh... Okay, yeah, okay, that was pretty sexy. <laughs> yeah. Dear listener who hasn't actually checked out the film, there is a, a, a point at which a Russian soldier is doing some very bareback Writing. Just when you thought this was a film you could watch with your children. Right. There is, I mean, that I don't think you actually see. Uh... <laughs> no, there's just, there's a guy that jumps in the lake, isn't there? Yes, with, and you see him from a bit of a distance and you can definitely see something swinging around, but yeah. But yes, the... Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's, it's definitely not like lingered upon. No. It's just, this is what people did. Yeah, yes, because it's just, they're all men being manly together and that involves nudity, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of forgot about it because it seemed like pretty it's inconsequential so, it's to the rest so, of yeah, the Yeah, I'm just being really immature. I mean, uh, no, no, I understand what you mean. But yeah, the the guy, the guy on the horse, like you, he's clearly not wearing anything, so you just kind of see like pubes. <laughs> but it's just like that's <laughs> why do we always see films with dongs? <laughs> yeah, yes, because there was there was a uh, factual bathhouse wang in. Uh, Oh yeah, that was factual wang. Uh, was that in the, how I ended the summer? It was, yeah. Like you briefly see the older chaps chap in that. That's right, you do. Uh, but anyway, uh, I feel like we've spent <laughs> way more time than that probably deserves. But um, <laughs> yes, content warning for that. Oh, um, but we. Sorry, I'm lingering on the on the nudity. But we also get the first person who is the um listening device operator oh yeah we we first stumble upon him and he's not really putting his full attention to the job uh or at least not the job his mind is supposed to be focusing on because the officer and alexei come across him and he's just got some like nudie photos that he's just uh oh that's right sexy boudoir photos of presumably his partner I don't know. It wasn't clear. I just kind of assumed that they, that there were some sexy photos he'd bought somewhere. I, one of them appeared to be signed, but I don't know whether that was a thing. That people got like, oh, it was cool to get like signed photos from a dancer or something. Yeah, I. that's sort of how it read to me. This is pushing up the classification. It is. Again. Yeah, it is pushing up the classification. I'm, I've downloaded the BBFC guidelines. Uh, okay. Well, I'm doing this. Nudity with no sexual content is in principle acceptable at all classification levels but will not generally occur more than occasionally in a U. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where we're going with that. <laughs> yeah, it's good to know. But yeah, I definitely feel like the photos are nudity in a, in a sexual context. I feel like that's much more of a sexual context than the bloke jumping into the thing. Yes, this is not like reproductions of like Botticelli's Venus or something. <laughs> <laughs> a little mini print. Um <laughs> Because he's a very cultured uh, young man. Then, then, yeah, then the officer rips, or it might be the sergeant or something, rips up his pictures, doesn't he? Which seemed really harsh. <laughs> that wasn't the same guy. No, that was a different guy to the guy that beat Alexei, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. Well, I thought that was kind of funny because he initially, like, yells at the guy and then sort of, like, grabs them off him and, like, is looking at them for a while and then I hmm. think he decides, no, we can't have any of this, and tears them up. But it's kind of like, there's a considerable pause between like making the decision to rip them up and like seeing what they are. There definitely is. I mean, he did seem to be distracted from his job by them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which kind of make, makes it slightly harder for this... Sorry. <laughs> makes it... <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> Oh no. Um yeah, so so this makes it slightly more difficult for <laughs> I like you just laughing at my strategic ch- change of words. I'm going to have another go at that. Keep all of this. Yes, it's gold. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. So yes, slightly yeah, it, it does make it slightly more difficult for this guy to argue that he should keep his job considering he's uh, he's not exactly giving it his full attention but yeah so he's replaced by Alexei and yeah 
I thought from the trailer that we were going to spend a lot of time with the listening device, and we really don't. I'm kind of glad that we don't, because in a sense, it's like, well, yeah, you get the idea. Yeah, it very much like serves its purpose of like, it's not really in the film for longer than you think. Yeah. There's just a few moments in the film where it feels like it could become a different film. You know, like we were saying with the trenches, you feel like, is this going to be, if not a whole action movie, is this going to be a lot of fighting and gore? There's that bit where you're like, oh, we're going to spend the rest of this film, like just with the camera strapped to the warning system. Mm. And we're just going to like see it move around and move around. And as he sits there for days and days and days until eventually there's a plane. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't do that. You know, you feel like there's a lot of films that this could have become, like, segued into. Mm. And um, in the end, it kind of kept it simpler. Because, I mean, it's really short. It's, what, 74 minutes or something? And it and there's about 10 minutes of credits. Mm. Well, maybe not 10 minutes, but it's it's not that much more than an hour of actual film. Yes. Yeah. So it was quite refreshing to watch something that brief. But at the same time, it did feel very much like a film and not like a slightly long tv episode oh yeah agreed i don't it definitely feel like it felt like a complete uh well i say that pretty much like i could see how there could be another i think how it could be a longer film i think is what i mean not that it ever felt like oh this is really just a tv show but mm. i don't i don't know how you would have ended it better because the end is pretty abrupt mm. but i mean what do you do do you have half an hour of them sitting around in a like German prisoner of war camp or something and then like what Alexei like runs into a guard and gets shot or something or like sits there or like everyone else goes and gets food and he doesn't or something like I don't I see what you mean like I don't see what you more you would have said achieved yeah by doing that yeah yeah Yeah. because you generally you kind of get the point that this was like a pretty miserable experience to be involved with I mean, it really highlights just kind of the technological difference between between what the Russian army was working with and what the Germans were working with. Mm. Like, just down to, I feel so bad for the, the Russian soldiers at the point where the gas comes down and they've basically got, like, these cotton masks and goggles... Yeah, they're not much more than like handkerchiefs and sunglasses, are they? Really, it's just like in a pouch, and you just kind of have to open it up and just yeah, kind of put it on. And and obviously because the German soldiers are using gas, and gas has a tendency to blow around places, they're wearing gas masks too. And but it's very much like this is this is clearly we've prepared for this eventuality hmm. rather than like the Russian army look like. Okay, so they know gas is. Gas has suddenly become a thing that they have to deal with, and this is kind of what they can do in a pinch, rather than something like that they knew they had to prepare for. Actually, to be honest, now that I think about it, I think just based on the use of gas means that it's probably later on in the war, like 15 or 16, because I don't think they were using gas from the off. So that might be the answer to that. But in some ways, maybe that doesn't matter in this in some sense like this isn't meant to be like a literal depiction of an exact moment in world war one and is more meant to be like just a general like evocation of that period that's how it felt i mean there weren't that many named characters there wasn't you know it didn't feel like it was trying to i mean it it had a sense of place but didn't feel like it was trying to have a very specific sense of place they don't really i mean like you said there's bits of Polish or something, a mention of Poland, but it's not... It doesn't feel like, oh, this is, you know, Gdansk and it's the 27th of May, 1916, and the Germans are, you know, 7.2 kilometres away. And Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not trying to... It's not, like, about a particular... I don't know whether it might be inspired by a particular real battle, but it didn't feel like they were trying to set it around a specific event. Uh, Certainly not an event that you'd expect the audience to be familiar with. Mm, Yeah. I would definitely be interested. I mean, I'm always always interested to hear, like, feedback from Russian listeners. Just because World War I is just generally not 
a at least to my mind not a subject that comes up very often in russian like popular culture and film and stuff like that just because it was so awful and led to the revolution and the civil war so it's kind of like there's not a lot that kind of lends itself to like oh let's make a story set in this time Mm. you know whereas like obviously world war ii was horrific but it's kind of like there's a there's a lot to be said for well at least we won kind of thing yeah um i'm probably expressing that extremely badly but yeah it's kind of like the it's the war that gets focused on whereas obviously over here in the uk there's a lot of uh a lot of time and thought goes into world war one related stuff in ways that i'm not necessarily always uh happy with <laughs> i still feel like it gets less focused than world war Two, though i think perhaps because sure. it's less it's i mean it's less black and white i mean i don't want to come across as saying like world war Two was uh total good because i don't believe that that is true but definitely like nazism is terrible um <laughs> kind of makes whoever's on the opposite side and you're like sure that is that is true <laughs> look better by comparison I'm, I'm happy to go on record saying nazism is bad and should be opposed good is that I, okay yeah this is that is, controversial this is, opinion no no i think this is a <laughs> okay, pretty good. a pretty avowedly anti-fascist podcast okay good i'm glad that we've got that on record. <laughs> yeah it's, it's taken up to like <laughs> episode 40 odd to explicitly spell that out but <laughs> um but yeah so, if, like, if anyone's be, been in doubt up to this point we're <laughs> but in a sort of broad way uh, i mean without you know you can you can have a lot of World War Two kind of media, I guess, mm. and set it in a kind of quite broad way and be pretty uncontroversial. Yeah. And kind of know that largely the audience is going to be on your side and it's quite clear as to be like, Nazis are bad, the people that are opposing Nazis are good, whatever side there happens to be or whatever group of people that is. Yeah. Um, not that there haven't been more nuanced like examinations of World War Two in media, but... Like, I don't know, I think in World War One it's just I don't know, it was it was stupider. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> it, it, it was a it was a lot more like everyone kind of blundered accidentally into into this. Like Yeah, everyone kind of blundered into this and like everyone was kind of You know what I mean? There wasn't there wasn't such a like it's easy to say like all the Germans are bad, but like they're kind of as bad as everyone else was. This is a this is another oversimplification (laughs) of Bobble One. Yes. (laughs) It's just less dynamic, or even like if you want an action movie, it's less dynamic to having people sit in trenches and snipe at each other. Yeah. Well basically like the way I tend to again, totally oversimplifying is that World War One seems like it was the most stupidly high stakes game of chicken that was ever played. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a, yeah. It's, it's like a lot well, less. no, you back down. No, you <laughs> back down, and it's like oh crap! Like millions of people are dead because nobody it turns out back down. Yeah, which is kind of fascinating and horrific, but also. Yeah less of an immediate basis for a pop action movie. No, it's 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 much harder just to go, oh look, some guys in uniforms with swastikas all over them. We don't really <laughs> need to skulls. Yeah, we don't really need to spend too much time spelling out who's who's bad, although, you know, there seems to be plenty of people around in the present day who apparently didn't get the memo. Um, no. Hmm. <laughs> That's one of the one of those kind of like comforting certainties that you thought that you were just going to be able yeah, to. I'm just comfortable enough with that, really. Depend but... upon is that like yes, there was always going to be like a tiny fringe of neo-Nazi weirdos, but you were pretty confident they were always going to just remain like a tiny weird horrible fringe that yeah it's one of those things there are so many people in the world there's always going to be a tiny fringe of whatever view no matter how awful yeah but whilst it remains a tiny fringe it's just like uh yeah it seems like it's less tiny and less fringy than yeah 
Anyway, I don't know whether this what will is, make it. What is people's pe- problem? Yes. Yeah. People. Maybe cut all this bit out. Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Uh, ironically, I think we've probably gone longer than the film. <laughs> Which I know we I know I know technically we've done that we've done that before, but this film's quite easy to do that with. And it's quite easy to do that with. I do feel like there's a fair amount that we rambled and could be cut. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a super long episode. No. So maybe we should just kind of like round it off because I think I think we've like covered bases in terms of plot and like style and all of that kind of thing. Would you recommend this to people? Do you think? I think I think it's so short that it's kind of hard not to recommend that people watch it if they have a, just a passing interest in it. Some mm. of the, some of the stuff we watch is like, or even that I watch, you know, not for this podcast, just out of interest. You know, it's kind of. It comes with a lot of caveats of being like, oh, if you're kind of interested in this or like you have a long afternoon or... And this is just like, I don't know. I, did I enjoy it? I don't know whether I enjoyed it that much. I didn't dislike it and I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I watched it because it was interesting and it left me thinking... I don't know. It's one of those films that like I'm glad I saw because I'm still thinking about it. And so obviously it made some impression on me. What I'm mostly thinking of is I'm not sure I got it. Same. If there was anything to get, but <laughs> um, but like I'm glad I saw it for that experience. And often there's films like that that are three hours long or something, and it's kind of hard to recommend to other people unless they really care about it. But oh come on, it's like seventy minutes. It's an hour. And like change. it's not much yeah. longer than an episode of a lot of TV shows mm. now. So yeah, like give it a go. Why not have a think about it. What does it mean? Let us know if you figure it out, please. Yes. Answers on a on a postcard. <laughs> a postcard with either a semi nude bourgeois photo on the other side or a naked man on a horse. Yeah. Um so yes. My thoughts on the film, yeah, similar to you. I think it's I think it's definitely a worth watch. I totally agree. I don't I don't know if I understood what it was going for. I admired it for like doing its own thing, and I found it kind of interesting that that something would as clearly sort of like disrupt the sort of spent suspension of disbelief mm. of like you you know it a conventional film you're just in the world whereas this kind of like will yank you <laughs> unceremoniously back to the present day and then like dunk you back in but it's still it's jarring but it doesn't it doesn't it didn't stop me from like appreciating the film i guess it 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 like yeah it's 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 weird i just i didn't feel like i particularly cared about my suspension of disbelief it was like in a Schrodinger's cat suspension of disbelief state, <laughs> or whatever the Schrodinger's cat equivalent of that you could have for your. Uh, uh, I'm probably going to cut this out as well because I don't think it even makes sense as an analogy. <laughs> uh, podcast discipline. Um, yeah, podcast it was, discipline. I mean, how how did did you did you find that that the weird gimmick like messed with your experience or? Um. I think it added a level of confusion, mm. um, but I think it also kind of added a level of interest. I think had it just been an hour-long kind of World War One film, I guess I would have been like, eh, that was interesting, I guess. Mm. Isn't war horrible? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the way... It, I, I see what you mean. That It didn't... The way it was kind of interleaved didn't really feel like it was as intrusive as... I would have expected it to be if you just described what was happening to me. Definitely, definitely. I felt like it was some like grit in the oyster of my mind. It was kind of like there is something. <laughs> There's a great analogy. Yeah, it's kind of like this is kind of coarse and rough, like sand. It gets everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, a little ep- Star Wars episode two illusion. <laughs> uh, oh, again, I'm losing it. I thought I was. 
I thought I was brilliant podcasting for a minute, but no, uh, totally ruined it by lack of comic judgment. Um, it's fine. But yeah, I just I, I feel like there was just because there was that something that was kind of like, what's this doing in here? Just like stopped my brain from going to sleep, even if it was like kind of a jarring thing. And I don't know if that's good, but it's an interesting technique as a filmmaker to just be like, hey, I'm going to prod you with this thing. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't a kind of sort of in dialogue with each other, but not mm. in a way that was very clear. Yeah. Because there wasn't that direct, like, which would have been really jarring. Sure. But it wasn't that sort of direct thing where, like, oh, someone in the the old bit, the 1916 bit or whatever, like, reacts explicitly to something that the conductor no. says. You know, which probably would have been taking it too far. But <laughs> it might it was, have been, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, Sure, watch it. Yes. It's short, and it's, if nothing else, worth your time to see an interesting bit of filmmaking. Definitely. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Lynn, for joining me for You're this... You're welcome. Thank you for having me. ...art house film. Next time in person, I hope, but we will see what happens. That would be lovely, yes. Um, before we disappear, is there anywhere on Tinternet that uh, people wanting to get in touch can do that uh, i'm on twitter i guess occasionally tweeting about not a lot <laughs> reading people's tweets about video games and miniatures painting and occasionally uh, science education and pacifism cool those um, are really all of the topics um <laughs> so, so so i mean did this film challenge your pacifism in any way did you did it give you a new appreciate appreciation for the art of war <laughs> um yeah it's not a great advertisement for like war really <laughs> no no it is not <laughs> um, which is kind of as it should be so it's um but yeah so so it was what's, interesting What's what's your handle for people looking for you on Twitter? Oh, so it's S E T C H K O P F Setchkopf or something. Yeah, pretty sure that's what it is. But yes, I don't really say much <laughs> of interest. So so uh, tweet uh, tweet at Lynn with your interpretation of this of this movie. Yes, please do. I'm looking forward to hearing it and your your attitudes about uh, the proper amount of. Uh, dress or undress when riding horses. Yes, and um, we should start. We should start a book taking bets on what the BBFC will eventually rate this film. Yes, we should definitely do that. I'm going to say PG. Ooh, hmm. I think that's lowballing it. I wouldn't be surprised if it was twelve, but I'm going to be shocked if it's more than a twelve because I do not think that was sexual dong. Yeah, but then you've got the. Uh, naughty bourgeois photos and maybe those oh, yeah push it. it's less sexy if it's black and white maybe yeah, i don't know say, is that class, how ratings it's work it's classier though so it depends depends, <laughs> what, depends what floats your boat oh we're gonna have to cut this out too this is meant to be a family f- well i don't know i mean most of the, most of the episodes have the e uh, sticker on them in case somebody says something rude but uh uh, anyway. I feel like I listen to a lot of podcasts with a lot more swearing that don't have e-stickers on them. Yes. Um, but that, may, that may be their problem with not labelling things correctly. But It is. It is. They, they are all reprehensible. And <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right. So, yes. Uh, thank you very much, Lynn, for, for joining me once more. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I do enjoy these. Yeah. Do enjoy doing these. That is a weirdly difficult sentence to say. You, you enjoy coming along for the for the horseback yeah. ride. Bah! <laughs> you did it again. Uh... Cool whack. And <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it gets me to watch films that I otherwise probably wouldn't have watched, um, and that is always a good thing. Def- see more diverse art. Yes, definitely. Great. Well, thank you again, and thank you very much for joining us, dear listener. And yes, das Vidanya, folks. Das Vidanya.
So that's it for this episode, but before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovic and the highly skilled migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media... Please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now. Okay, so a quick message before I go. If you're enjoying the Roos Files Unite movie podcast, there are a couple of ways you can help to cover the cost of running the show, if that's something you're able to do. The first option is donating roughly the price of a cup of coffee on our Ko-Fi page. The address for that is www.ko-fi.com slash also, there is rusandsov.com, that's R-U-S-A-N-D-S-O-V.com, where you can get t-shirts, wall posters, coffee mugs, and more with a Soviet and or Russian theme. If you use the promo code RUSAFILESUNITE, that's all caps and all one word, at checkout, you'll get 10% off, and they ship locally in the US, EU, and Australia. Again, you'll find the links in the show notes. That's all from me. Take care and stay safe.